You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Good, thank you very much for your invitation and the opportunity to minister here this morning. Um, it's good for Anne and I to be here. We've been connected with the church here and in Brighton for a number of years and with Tyler and with Donna. And I come to IBTI every Friday or most Fridays, so I'm amongst people who I know and you know. I know, I know you, you know me. But maybe for any who don't, Anne and I, we live in Maidstone. We've lived there most of our lives, not all of our lives, but um, have ministered there. I ministered there in the church in Maidstone for something like 25 years. Um, and I'm still active for the Lord Jesus, but it's really good um, to be with you this morning. I'd like to read from the book of Leviticus, please, chapter 6. Book of Leviticus and chapter 6, beginning at verse 8. Leviticus 6 verse 8 says, The Lord said to Moses, Give Aaron and his sons this command. These are the regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar hearth throughout the night till morning, and the fire must be kept burning on the altar. The priest shall then put on his linen clothes with linen undergarments next to his body, and shall remove the ashes of the burnt offering that the fire has consumed on the altar and place them beside the altar. Then he is to take off these clothes and put on others and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonially clean. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning, the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offering on it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. You may have picked up that there's a phrase that appears there um, several times. Verse 9, where it says, the burnt offering is to remain on the altar and so on, and the fire must be kept burning on the altar. Verse 12, The fire on the altar must be kept burning, it must not go out. And the last verse, verse 13, the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously, it must not go out. So if there is one thing that this short passage teaches us this morning, it's that the fire must not go out. I don't know what you put on your smartphone when you send text messages, but... People put all kinds of things. I'm not very good at this kind of thing. Um, but they put LO, LOL, lots of love, lots of laughs, whatever it's meant to be. And they have these short kind of um, cryptic um, collection of letters that give messages. When Anne and I were courting, uh, we wrote a lot of letters to one another because we were um, courting at a distance. We wrote 1,642 letters, which we still have and which we recently read all the way through. It took us two months. Um, but we used to put all kinds of things, as you can imagine. Fill up any spare <coughs> spots they just filled up with lots and lots of kisses. Um, but we used to put Italy on it. Those of you who are Italian this morning, this may encourage you to know that we were thinking of you even then. Um, we used to write Italy 
I trust and love you. We used to put Holland on it. Hope our love lasts and never dies. But here's another one, not on our letters that we used to write, but in the early days of the Pentecostal movement, we're talking about the early 20th century, it was normal for Christians when they wrote letters. This is the day before there were such things as mobile phones and texts and all that kind of thing. So they had to write letters. Um, and on the letters they would put this, quite simply, KOF. KOF. It's the thing they used to put on it. It, it was well known throughout the movement. KOF. Which means, keep on fire. And this morning, this is really the substance of what I want to say, just to encourage us to say, to keep on fire. They also used to ask people, uh, when they met one another, they would ask how one another was, and then they would ask this question, are you still burning? Are you still burning? In other words, is the fire of God still at work in your life? And my encouragement to you and to myself this morning is to keep on fire for God, to keep burning for God. Sometimes people used to talk in my childhood, they used to refer to somebody, they used to say, oh, they're a very keen Christian. A bit of a stupid comment, really, because is there any other kind? I mean, you're either keen or you're not. And the challenge to all of us is to keep the fire of God burning in our lives. In the early days of the Methodist movement, John Wesley and so on, um, they were known for their enthusiasm. Enthusiasm was a kind of catchword. And it was used, used really as to slander them in many ways. Oh, they're the enthusiasts. One clergyman said about Wesley, he said, enthusiasm, he said, it's a horrid thing, a very horrid thing. And how are we this morning? Are we really going for it? I was interested in the songs that we're singing. Are we really keeping on fire for God? Are we going for it with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, doing everything that we possibly can? So we are totally taken up with this business of loving and serving Jesus. One of our favourite um, artists is the Impressionist Claude Monet. We have three Monets on our front room wall, actually. They're worth about £25 million each. Um, but um, Claude Monet said this, he said, colour is my day-long obsession, my joy and my torment. And the pictures he painted were so beautiful and so wonderful and eventually so valuable simply because that, the colour was his total obsession. I read an article about Wayne Rooney and it said about him that Rooney always has a ball at his foot. Even when he's in bed, I don't know whether he still does it, but he'd always have a football at his, foot, at his feet. Watching the television, he'd always be doing that. And the comment of the article was about Rooney, it says it consumes him. And maybe sometimes we wonder, well, why aren't we quite being as, as successful as we should be in our Christian lives? Why aren't things happening? Maybe the problem is that we're not on fire. That we live our Christian lives in a very normal kind of way, a very good way. We don't do anything wrong, or not very much anyway, and then we just confess and we're, we're okay. And we go to the, all the meetings and we're part of the Christian scene, we're part of church life. And this can particularly be, surprisingly, can particularly be relevant to those of us who serve God full time. You understand what I mean by that? And whether you're a student at IBTI or like some of us, our lives are taken up with this. this our life revolves around our Christian world. 
Sometimes we live in the bubble, never move outside the bubble. That's a challenge to us. But the challenge is that we keep on fire because we can do the stuff week after week after week and we know the actions. We know that when the worship starts, we have to put our hands in the air and we do it. But the question is, what's going on inside our lives? Has the fire gone out? Has the zeal gone out of our lives? And there are all kinds of things that maybe I could call zeal killers. Jesus told the story of the, of the um, sower, went out to sow, and the seed didn't grow. Why didn't it grow, some of it? The cares of this life, the pleasures of this life, and all kinds of things. Our families, all the ordinary things of life, they can sometimes so take over that in the end, the fire just goes out. Remember that terrible condemnation, judgment, in the book of Revelation about the church of Laodicea, God said to them, I would, I, rather, I would rather you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, in other words, you're going to church every week, you're doing all the things you should do, you're saying all the things that you know it's good for a Christian to say, but you're lukewarm. You no longer have the fire in your life. I want to say this morning from this passage that we read together that there were three things that are necessary. There's the fire, there's the sacrifice, and, and there's the wood, or the fuel. First of all, we must have the fire of God in our lives, and it is the fire of God, it is not a fire that we manufacture ourselves. I'm just impressed as I read through scriptures how so often it was God's fire that set things moving. There's Moses walking through the desert, been there for 40 years, nothing much happened. He's just looking after sheep or goats or whatever he's looking after. One day he's passing by this bush and he sees that it's burning and it's not, not, not being consumed and he stops to see it and it's the fire of God. I was just reading this week, Anne and I were reading about Elijah, about how on Mount Carmel and the priests of Baal, they had failed to, to bring fire down and so Elijah stands there and he covers the sacrifice with water and then fire comes down from heaven. And this was a comment that I read. I'd never thought about it like this before. Some people say, oh, it was just lightning. Dear friends, it could not have been lightning because there had been no rain for three years. There was not a cloud in the sky. It had been blue sky non-stop every day for three years or whatever. But what came down was the fire from heaven. And in this passage here, the fire was supernatural fire. If you read in chapter 9, I think it is, it describes how this burnt offering was made and it talks about how the fire came. And it was not manufactured fire. They didn't rub a few sticks together or bring a torch that they'd already lit. The fire was the fire that came down from heaven. One of the problems in the Christian church, without being too condemnatory, is that we try to get things going and moving and try to operate our Christian lives on a very normal level and we bring all kinds of things into our lives, but they are not the fire of God. One of the things that concerns me is that so often we have all these sort of short one-liners that are put on websites and so on, telling us how we should behave. And... Release the dragon within you. No, release the giant within you. That's one of them. Release the giant within you. This is business speak. This is not fire from heaven. The only thing that will do anything in our lives is fire from heaven. And thank God for all the do-it-yourself kind of seminars that we can have and 
Well, we've all been part of them. But if you want the fire of God, you do not go to B&Q. You cannot have a do-it-yourself. Look, let's really get the fire going in our church. We'll do this, we'll do that, we'll do the other. We'll have a better website. We'll get the, the musicians, we'll get them really up to, up to scratch. We'll do this, we'll do that. We'll get our organisation better. If we do all these kind of things, then we will be successful as a church. No, we will not. And the same applies in our Christian lives, in our personal lives. There are things that can help us. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that we have the fire of God. And with all these instances through the Old Testament, the whole thing comes to completion on the day of Pentecost. The disciples were waiting there. Jesus said, wait. He didn't say, go, go to a few sem- seminars and then you'll be ready. He said, wait in Jerusalem. And on the day of Pentecost, there was a sound from heaven, like a rushing mighty wind, and it fell upon all of them. And there were tongues of fire on their head, and they began to speak with tongues. There was fire from heaven, suddenly from heaven. And what must drive us, and what must motivate us, and I'm more aware of this than any, maybe at any time in my life, that I have to have the fire of God in my life. Without using ourselves as a special example, Anne and I at the moment, we are feeling the movement of God in our lives. We are feeling our spiritual lives really, really sort of coming into something new, even though we're so old. It's the fire of God. We need to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. We don't hear much about this today. On the day of Pentecost, whoosh, fire from heaven. I spoke with tongues. They were baptised in the Holy Spirit. There's a desperate need for people to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. We're a Pentecostal church, are we not? You can read our statement of belief and it will tell you that that's what we believe. But we look around our church at home in Mason, a lovely church and God is doing good things. But we're just aware there are people there, They come. some of them have come from other backgrounds, churches, you know, they found us in one way or another. But the problem is that they are not baptised in the Holy Spirit. God, will you please fill us with your spirit? The fire of God, it cannot be manufactured, neither can it be bought. You remember in the Acts of the Apostles, there was a man named Elymas, the sorcerer. And when he saw what the apostles were doing, he saw that people were being baptised in the spirit. That's what he saw, if you read the, if you read the story carefully. He saw something happen. All he said, give me money. He said, I'll give you money. He said, money, I'll buy this. You cannot buy it. You can't buy it in a Christian bookshop. You can't buy it in the church. The only thing that can happen is that fire comes down from heaven and it touches our lives and our lives are driven by the fire of God and the spiritual life that is within us and that has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. And this burnt offering here, It was set on fire by fire from heaven. I need it. I need it and will tell you. God, please this morning, give me the fire, give me the anointing. Because some of us know how to do the stuff. I've been preaching since I was 16 years old. I know, well I don't know whether I know how to do it or not, but I think I know how to do it. Know how to put a sermon together, I think. 
that we can know all this thing, but what's the good of me standing here this morning unless there is something of the fire of God that's burning in my life and the anointing of God upon me? And it's not just preaching, it's whatever you're doing for Jesus, whether you're in the worship band, whether you're running a kids club, whatever it is, whether you're doing the admin. You you and I will only be effective if the fire of God is in our lives. God, will you please send the fire? That's what the old Salvation Army hymns used to say. And then we adopted them as Pentecostals. Send the fire, send the fire. Keep on fire. And you say, how? Go to God. Say, God, here is my life. God, please give me the fire. If you've lost the fire, if you're lukewarm, if it's died down, Yesterday's fire is no good for today. Did you notice in this story how every night, they, every morning or whatever it was, they raked out the ashes? In other words, yesterday's fire is no good, out with the ashes. And we need the fire of God today. Just like the manna in the wilderness, yesterday's manna was no good for dirt for today. And every single day of my life, I need the fire of God in my life. God, will you please help me? And give it to me. The second thing was the sacrifice. <coughs> Romans says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This burnt offering was an unusual offering. Some of the offerings, they were, there were stipulations, regulations, about how often it had to be given and all this kind of thing. The burnt offering was different. The burnt offering was a voluntary offering. So you did it because you felt motivated, because you appreciated God in your life, and you, you gave this sacrifice to God. Nobody forced you to do it, you just did it. Because that's what you wanted to do. It wasn't a sin offering. It was just what they did. It was a, if you like, it was a devotion offering. And what do we do this morning? We present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, and we say, God, here I am. It was a costly offering, because as you know, the offerings in the, in the Old Testament, all the sacrifices, they had to be perfect. You couldn't bring along a lamb that had a, that had a wonky lead, or scurvy, or whatever lambs or sheep have, I don't know. You couldn't have one that only had one eye and one ear. You had to give the very, very best to God. You had to give the whole thing to God. The whole thing. And this is where, this is where I have a problem. I have a problem myself, a very big problem. Because am I really giving myself to God? In other words, the whole of my life to God. Or have I got little compartments that I say, don't touch that. That's mine. And it has to be a whole and a complete and a free will offering. My problem is that some of the songs we sing, they, they are so extravagant that I feel like shouting out, really? There's one we're singing in our church at the moment. Today, today, it's all or nothing. And it's a real bouncy thing. You know, the band go mad, today, today. I'm not going to sing it because that would drive me out of the doors. But today, today, it's all or nothing. And I look around. I think, Really? Really? We have to be careful about the songs we sing. We've been singing this morning, I Surrender. I wrote it down because I thought, oh, this is good. What do we, what do we sing? I know it's on the back here somewhere. So, I, about surrendering all. About being desperate for you. We sang it, folks. 
And yet when we go out here this morning, are we going to forget all that kind of thing, just live our normal Christian lives, without this, this feeling that we surrender everything to Jesus? As I say, it's not just the modern songs, it's the old ones. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. And here's the tough one. Here's the tough one. Can we really sing it? Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. How much money you got in your bank account? See, it's extravagant language. I think it's significant this morning that we have this, this kind of theme that's been running through about surrender. Some of you know about the Keswick Convention, been running for 150, 140 years, I think they celebrate next year, up in the Lake District. Great, great Bible convention. Anne and I were there last year. We'd only been a couple of times, but we went last July and we were, we were mightily blessed. It's not our stream, it's not, not particularly charismatic, although it's got elements of that in it. But it, it began really as a missions movement, missionary movement. And on the Friday night at the end of the week, there was this big appeal for people to give their lives to, for missionary service. This is the 19th century when that kind of missionary activity was possible. And on the Friday night of the Keswick Convention, hundreds and hundreds of people would come out to the front, say, God, I'll go anywhere you want. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll give up anything that you ask me to give up. God, I surrender. And this was their, this was the theme song that they, that was sung as they, as they did that. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever trust and love him in his presence. Daily live. All to Jesus I surrender. See, it's a challenge. All this kind of thing is a challenge. Challenge to me this morning. Have we got the fire? Or has the fire gone out, nearly gone out? It's just sort of a little tiny flame there. Flickers a little bit on a Sunday morning. Where's this our daily life? Surrender. Lord, I give myself to you. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Oof. Take my love, my Lord, I pour. At thy feet it's treasure store. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Lord, that's what I'm singing. For me, the only way to cope with this extravagant language is to say, God, I really don't think I'm there. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. You've got to be honest when you sing these songs. And you've got to, and in your mind, you've got to say, Lord, this is too big for me. But Lord, that is what is in my heart. My heart desires to serve you. Lord, I really do want to give myself to you. And although very often I hold things back, Lord, you know that this is my desire. Will you please help me to do more of this kind of thing? To give my time, to give my money, to give my energies, to give my skills. To give everything I have. God, will you please help me to do a bit more of it? Even if I can't reach these kind of dizzy heights that the songs talk about. It was a sacrifice. The third thing was the wood. We should have to keep the fire burning. God sends the fire. We give ourselves a sacrifice. But then there are certain things that we have to do to keep the fire burning. And it's the wood. The fire must not go out. And as I say, the fire comes from God, but even the fire of God will go out if we don't provide wood, if we don't provide fuel. If day by day we don't keep the fire burning by saying, God, this is what I'm going to do to keep the thing burning. 
And this comes down to all the kind of easy stuff, well not easy stuff, but the simple stuff that we all know. When you read your Bible every day, that is fire, for, that is wood for the burning. When you pray to the Lord, if you don't pray, then you're, then you're not providing wood for the for fuel for the fire. When we meet together in Jesus' name, we are providing fuel for the fire. This is why we have to meet together. We have to meet together in order that we can help one another to provide some fuel. So we provide fuel for one another's lives. My question is, is this really. What, for example, what have we brought this morning? When you came in those doors, did you bring anything so that the fire of God would burn in this meeting? Do we have this attitude that wherever we go, we're going to do something so that the fire will burn? Doesn't necessarily have to be up the front vocal, but in your heart as you came this morning, was praise bubbling up in your heart already, and you say, I'm going to provide some fuel, some wood for this morning. And if we came every time like that, whoosh, the worship leader or the pastor wouldn't have to keep going, come on, why aren't you worshipping this morning? What's the matter with you all? May God help us never to come empty-handed to the house of God. Because it makes a big, big difference. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says something like this. When you come together, each of you has a hymn, a song, a spiritual song. When you come together, when you come together, each of you has not each of you gets, each of you has. And I long in our meetings more and more that we have this, this atmosphere. The people all over the place, they've got something that they brought. They've got a word that God has given to them, so they bring it. Why do they bring it? Yeah, stokes up the fire, wood for the fire. That's what it is. And when we're like that, then the fire will burn. Jesus said, zeal for your house has consumed me. Consumed me. I want to be part of this consuming fire business. May God help me. When you go to visit someone, when you phone somebody up, when you send them a text. Bit of fuel. Something that will encourage them. Something that will bless them. Something so that if in their life the fire has gone down, you're just providing a bit of fuel and whoosh, the fire starts to burn again. And that should be our attitude with one another. When we meet people who are not Christians, that something burns within us. As well as the word surrender, there's also this word that, again, we don't, well, we don't hear much about sacrifice. I'm not, I'm not talking about this church. I'm just, it's just an observation in the, in the things that I hear and the things I read. There's not much talk about surrender and sacrifice. Not much talk about this, this lovely old word consecration. 
A lot of talk about the grace of God, and I believe in the grace of God with all my heart. It's the thing that 30 years ago, an understanding of the grace of God that revolutionised my Christian life. I believe in the grace of God. God gives me, gives me, gives me. He's so gracious. But in doing that, we have lost, I think, something of the emphasis. is I have to give something to God. He has given everything for me, but I've got to give something to him. I've got to consecrate my life to him. I've got to give my life anew to him. Actually, we need to do it every day. We may not do it sort of in in an extreme form or sort of come into the front of a church building or not, but we have to have this attitude in our lives every day. God, this day is yours. Not just Sunday, but tomorrow morning when you go to work or whatever you're doing. God, this day is yours. I give my life to you today so that whatever you want me to do today, I consecrate it to you. There is no area of my life today that's out of bounds for you. No private, secret places, nothing like that, but just the whole of my life for you. It was said of Apollos that he was fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. I want to be like that. People who know me well, they think I'm not very emotional. think I'm pretty sort of taciturn and melancholy <laughs> or whatever. You know, I don't dance around the platform. I've never been able to do that. I'd get lost if I wandered there and there. The only thing I can do is just to stand here. I don't want to be fervent in spirit. Eh? It doesn't matter what your personality is. Apollos, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. I love Leviticus. I've told the students this. A whole load of, of rich material here. And here is the burnt offering, a free will offering, a willing sacrifice that is made. And the worshippers, they didn't come with downcast faces, miserable, oh, we've got to do this. I'd better do this or else people will think I'm no longer a very good Christian. But willingly and gladly, they presented their sacrifice to God and the fire of God came down and did something with it. As I say, those of us who are, who are sort of full-time workers or whatever, or maybe some of us who are older, we know how to, we know how to do things. We know how to impress people, or at least we know how to make them think we're good. We can be very content. We get into cosy mood. We've had a lot of fun with people from other countries that we talk to. Because I understand that there's no real equivalent in any other language to cosy. We had real trouble trying to explain to one couple what cosy meant. Cosy means it's all very comfortable. It's all very nice. We're sitting around the fire on a winter's evening and it's all all lovely and we're on the settee and we do this quite a lot. (laughs) At the end of the day, it's all, it's so cosy. The trouble is when our Christian lives are like that. I don't want to be cosy. I just want the fire to keep burning. I really do. Do you? I was going. 
Fuck five, keep burning. She really does. I'm glad of that, because sometimes I need her to help me keep burning. Keep the fire burning. So the next text message you send, instead of putting LOL or whatever the latest thing is, KOF. KOF. God help us to keep on fire for your glory's sake. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.